everybody. Andy Hamilton of Track Wrestling coming to you from the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum in downtown Waterloo, Iowa. I'm joined again this week by the top dog, the head honcho, the CEO of the Track Wrestling Rankings, David Mercatani. What's up today, David? Well, back from Tulsa. Got to uh, do some work for you guys for the Big 12. That was fun, and there was a, it was a lot of orange power down there this weekend for sure. Absolutely. You saw quite a performance. Um, Oklahoma yeah, State 28 and 2. Unbelievable. 10 in the finals. Uh, record setting number of champions with 8. Uh, Cowboys darn near ran the table. Um, what was it like to be there and see that performance in person? It, it was, I think it was interesting to see Tulsa really put on a first class show, and you can tell they were doing this in an attempt to bid for the Nationals. Um, in that BOK arena, they kind of blacked out the top, top level, but it actually holds like 19,000. Uh, it was impressive. You know, I sat in the stands for part of the time and got to be around the noise, and I was on the floor, obviously, doing interviews. Um, the scary thing is, Oklahoma State really came close to running the table. They, they lost the two matches they lost by a combined three points. And they just look like a different team than they did against Penn State. I think the other thing that I think is fair to say about Oklahoma State is I don't think there's a, a team in the country that could have done what they did and put all 10 in the finals. You know, Ohio State, they, they're not 10 deep. Penn State's not 10 deep. I, Iowa's not 10 deep. Maybe the Big 12 is not as good as the Big 10, but no other team could have wrestled that competition and put all 10 guys in the final. So um, we all talk about, you know, there's a difference between big tournaments and small tournaments, but it was awfully, awfully impressive. I can tell you that. Well, I was out the Big Ten Championships in Bloomington, and you could say the same thing about Ohio State. I mean, the Buckeyes absolutely caught fire in that tournament. And, and just uh, I wrote a little bit about this in my takeaways from the Big Ten Championships. Uh, the you know, story's up on trackwrestling.com. Um, but uh, they pretty much beat a, uh, a list of top contenders from the Big Ten Championships on their way to winning the team title. I mean, you talk about the guys they beat, NCAA finalists, Corey Clark, Brandon Sorensen, Bo Nickel, Tim Dudley, uh, Connor Medbury was previously unbeaten, Brett Farr was ranked number two in the country, um, cadet and junior world champion Mark Hall. I mean, you, you talk about, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of programs don't register that many marquee wins in two years, let alone two days. And, and uh, um, you can kind of say what you want about the Nick Suriano situation and, and guess um, how many points he would have scored and, and what that would have meant to Penn State in the team race. As it was, Ohio State won by nine and a half. Uh, but the Buckeyes certainly didn't luck into winning their fourth Big Ten title in program history. Quite a performance by Tom Ryan's crew there. Super impressive. You know, and, you know, we were trading messages and calls throughout the weekend. And, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're like, oh, my, you know, like you said, they, they, they didn't, they went through the front door to win that thing. They didn't get any help. They beat, they beat the best guys. So it was impressive for sure. Yeah, and they uh, the Buckeyes finished at or above their seeds at all ten weights too. So it wasn't just their uh, their four champs getting it done. They got uh, contributions and points from all ten guys. Uh, kind of take an inventory of what transpired at the uh, the other five qualifying tournaments this weekend. Uh, Missouri went six for six in the finals and rolled to the MAC title. Um, a super impressive performance by Brian Smith's team. Uh, in Cedar Falls, um, EIWA championships, Cornell, it, it looked on paper, you know, we talked about this a week ago, a really competitive team race between Cornell and Lehigh. Uh, what we did not know is that Jordan Cutler wouldn't be part of uh, the tournament. So Lehigh, <laughs> out of the shoot, loses the, the fourth-ranked guy at 157 pounds. Cornell rolls to its 11th straight title, the Big Red won by 45.5 points there. Uh, Edinburgh took control uh, and, and won the EWL championships after winning the EWL dual title. In the ACC, Virginia Tech had six champs in, in uh, 
won big there. And then the SoCon was uh, the most compelling team race or most uh, competitive team race. Uh, that went right down to the wire. Um, Campbell edged Appalachian State. Uh, the Camels won both head-to-head final matches there, which proved to be the difference. Uh, when you look at things from a big picture, David, uh, you know what were the main takeaways for you from conference tournament weekend? Well, I guess working backwards, big shout-out to Kerry Colott on getting the, their first title, and, and big congratulations to Tony Roby and that staff for, for keeping those guys focused when there was, you know, obviously a lot of white noise going on with, with coach Dresser leaving. So, um, I mean, when you do, you know, we've talked about this plenty of times, but when you're doing the rankings, you're not really looking at, you know, like the team can win and it, it, you know, they can actually drop in the rankings and they can lose and go up in the rankings. It's goofy how that happens. To me, the Missouri turnaround from how bad they got throttled in the dual meet versus UNI and how well they wrestled uh, this past weekend was really a a turnaround. And and Coach Smith is – that guy knows how to get those kids ready uh, when it counts. I mean, and, you know, the same thing, like you were saying about Tom Ryan. And Edinburgh just keeps grinding out wins. And, you know, I guess having done Matt Chat with, with Damian Hahn, you know, I could hear in his voice how important it is for those guys to win the EIWA title. They don't they don't look at it as just a national qualifier and get your guys through. They look at that's something that they feel like they own and they're proud of it. And yeah, it was it's terrible for wrestling when a guy doesn't make weight like Cutler did, but it, it wouldn't have made a difference. You know that they won by so much, and um, you know they got their guys. And you know we've talked all year. If they got Palacio down wrestling right and got Womack in the lineup, that would really help them, and, and it clearly it did. Well, we're going to take a run through the track wrestling rankings, but first a plug from our sponsor. The track wrestling rankings are brought to you by fantasygrade.com and the ultimate fantasy wrestling challenge. Do you know more about wrestling than your friends and people from around the country? Prove it. Go to www.fantasygrade.com and enter the live event, online event, or both. A little bit of a shakeup this week in the top 10. We talked uh, a week ago about, or, I think a week ago, they're all the weeks are blending together at this point. But I think uh, a week ago, Penn State, uh, when we looked at it, uh, Penn State was up 24 and a half points over number two Oklahoma State in our rankings, and, and those rankings are compiled by David, but they're they're figured by advancement and placement points uh, based off the individual rankings. That lead dwindled from 24.5 down to 8, and the number two team now, rather than Oklahoma State, it is Ohio State. The Buckeyes hurdled the Cowboys. Uh, So right now, number one is Penn State at 102.5 points, Ohio State at 94.5, followed by Oklahoma State at 91, Iowa in fourth at 81, Virginia Tech at 74, Missouri hops over Nebraska and takes Back to number six spot with 57 and a half points. Nebraska at 55 and a half. Uh, Cornell makes a little bit of a surge up to 50 points, remains in eighth place. And then uh, a tie for ninth. Um, Arizona State at 37 and a half and Illinois at 37 and a half. Uh, we're going to take a run through this, take a spin through uh, all 10 individual weights. A lot to talk about there as well. Um, Starting things off at 125 pounds, Iowa's Thomas Gilman remains number one after running his record to 24-0 and with a 4-0 win in the Big Ten Finals against Nebraska's Tim Lambert. Virginia Tech's Joey Dance slides up to number two after winning his third ACC title with a 3-1 to overtime win in the conference finals against NC State's Sean Fawes. Lambert moves up two notches to number three, followed by EIWA champ Darian Cruz of Lehigh. Minnesota's Ethan Lezak checks in at number five. North Dakota State's Josh Rodriguez drops to six after losing to Oklahoma State's Nick Piccinini in the Big 12 finals. Sean Russell of Edinburgh moves up to number seven after winning the EWL. And Americans' Josh Terrell finished as the runner-up behind Cruz at the EIWA championships. He moves up to eight. David, the hardest guy to rank this week at any weight, unquestionably, is Nick Suriano. you got a guy who was the clear number two, 
at the end of the regular season. Then he suffers the ankle injury in the Oklahoma State duel. He defaults out of the Big Ten championships. I'm not sure there's a right answer here, and there's a bunch of different places you could have put him. Why did you drop him to 10? Well, so there's really three things you can do with him, right? You can leave him at two. You can pull him completely out of the rankings and assume he's not going to wrestle. Or you can split the baby. And that's kind of what I did. I, I, you know, I've talked to a lot of guys that had high ankle sprains and they don't think he's going to wrestle. But, you know, then I was talking to my father about it. And I'm like, but you never know. You know what I mean? Maybe he weighs, you know, maybe his first round guy doesn't make weight. Maybe the second guy gets like a flagrant misconduct. And the next thing you know, he's in the quarterfinals. It just doesn't feel like he can, you know, you got to win at least three matches out, out there before you win two, lose two. And I, I don't, you know, it's terrible. It's a terrible injury to any kid in any, you know, any time of the year, but especially this time of the year, I just don't think, I don't think he can wrestle. Again, and you don't have any, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't have any doctor's notes from anybody, but it's what I think. Um, and I also tried to rank him where I think the seating committee will put him and they will take into account these losses that he has in the Oklahoma State duel and in the Big Ten. So um, those count as losses. And they've also put a bigger emphasis on the qualifying tournament. Clearly, uh, Soriano's not doing this, but they don't want guys just to not wrestle to protect their seed. So they're they're putting uh, added emphasis on on your performance and your placement at the conference tournament. So, I mean, I do look at where everybody else ranks guys and I have them the lowest and, you know, if he's healthy, I'm going to be really wrong. I just don't think he's healthy and I don't think he's going to be healthy. It's not what I wish. It's just what I think, you know, so there's no Penn state love or hate or anything else. Um, you know, I actually got to talk to Nico Megaludis the other day, and I'm really impressed by, you know, what he told me, how they coach those guys and everything else. So, I mean, it'd be hard not to be a Penn State fan if you like exciting wrestling. I just, I don't I it really didn't know where to put him. If somebody said you should leave him at two, I see the argument. If somebody said you should drop him out, I see that argument too. So, just kind of put him in the middle, and I think it's probably more indicative of how the team scores will go as well. Yeah, moving on to 133 pounds. We, you know, rewind it real quick. Uh, first of all, um, you know, we talked about Ohio State scoring at 10 points um, or, or 10 weights. Excuse me. Um, Ohio State scored 40 points at those first three weights at the Big Ten Championships, and wow, Penn State, uh, Penn State, if I'm not mistaken, um, scored four and a half. So that was uh, a huge <laughs> difference. Yeah, huge difference right there. Clearly, that's what the tournament was decided, and, and Gulaban didn't have a good tournament. And, and you know, they obviously you wouldn't have guessed that Cortez was their most valuable wrestler. You know, based on you know the number of great guys they have, but he's the one guy where they you know they don't have any depth to that weight. So it's, it's, it, this is the time of the year where that shows up. So well, and to be fair to, to Penn State, I mean, you take a starter level, you know, top 15 caliber guy out of a, a lot of lineups. And, and it's, you're going to see a drop off at, at a lot of different programs. There just aren't um, a, a lot of guys waiting in the wings where you can fill in like that. Ohio state um, scrambled pretty well when they lost Keyshawn Haynes at the beginning of the year uh, to lose a guy, a top 10 guy. And then to, to move some things around, move Pletcher up from 33 to 41 and get a guy that uh, uh, scored him quite a few points at the Big Ten Championships at, at 141. Uh, you know, that was a move that certainly paid off. Um, you know, I don't have the exact figures in front of me, but uh, I would guess that, uh, you know, that's probably the difference to maker right there, where where the yeah. points that Pletcher scored if Ohio State had taken a zero, it probably would have been Penn State's championship. Um, yeah, and Missouri has done the same thing with moving up. Uh, Jaden Ironman and Ernesty stepping in and being a top 10 guy. So, yeah. And, and and all these programs have depth, but they don't all have A-level depth at all 10 weight. That's just about impossible. So, yeah, it makes it interesting. 
I said four and a half points for Penn State at the first three weights. I just looked it up. It's three and a half points that they scored at the first three weights. So it was 40 to three and a half at those weights. So that was the difference. Uh, moving on to 133 pounds, we had ab- uh, two absolutely epic conference title matches. Nathan Tomasello of Ohio State scored a last-second escape to beat Iowa's Corey Clark 5-1, to 5-4 to four in the Big Ten Finals. Clark scored a takedown with about 16 seconds to go to even the score, and Tomasello went to a short sit with about six seconds to go and just barely got out before the buzzer. David, you were down in Tulsa, as you mentioned. South Dakota State's Seth Gross rode out Oklahoma State's Cade Brock in the third period to win a 9-7 to decision in the Big 12 Finals. Can you take us through that one a little bit? Yeah, the first period was a lot of action. I mean, I think it was six to five Brock, and the match ended up nine seven gross, and it was eight seven going into the third period, and Brock picked down. And you know, it's far be it for me to, to question anybody, but I was surprised because even if he gets out, he's got to get a takedown to win it. And in general, you don't pick a posi- you don't make your choice and put your opponent in his best position. And Seth Gross is probably the best guy in the country at 133 on top. So um, I think Brock benefited from Corey Clark being the runner-up at the Big Ten because if it had gone a different way, like let's say Montoya had been the runner-up, then Montoya would probably be the two seed, Gross would be the three seed, and Brock would be the four seed. So as it stands now, at least in in my rankings, I think most people agree it'll be Tomasello one, Gross two, Brock three. This way, this way, about two or three ways, the matchups really matter. It feels like in the quarters and semifinals, and um, it's interesting because if it goes the way we have it ranked, Gross wrestles Montoya when they're two really really good mat wrestlers, and then you got Brock and Richards, which are two predominantly takedown guys. You have Corey Clark and Misick, who have had some great battles. And then Tomasello would probably get Flores, although, you know, I've mentioned I think there's a chance Flores moves up a line or two. So um, I don't think it hurt Cade Brock too much, really, uh, in terms of where he's going to be in the bracket. I would be really interested if they wrestle in the semis, if he picks down or not. I'll be fascinated to see if he makes that decision. You mentioned some other guys there at that weight, uh, also at the Big Ten Championships. Uh, Michigan's Stevan Michich scored a pair of wins against Zane Richards of Illinois at the Big Ten Championships. Michich won by major decision in the quarterfinals and then scored a non-control fall against Richard just before time expired in overtime in the bow for third place. So here's how we have it ranked this week. Tomasello at one followed by Gross and Brock, so no changes in the top three. Clark moves back up to four. Michich climbs two notches to five. Richards remains at six. Montoya drops from four to seven, and Force remains at eight after winning the ACC. At 141 pounds, the top eight all remain the same after the conference tournaments with Oklahoma State's Dean Heil at one, NC State's Kevin Jack at two, Joey McKenna of Stanford is third, followed by Princeton's Matthew Kalodzik, Anthony Ashnault of Rutgers, Virginia's George D. Camillo, North Carolina's Joey Ward, and Wyoming's Bryce Meredith is eighth. If those hold, we could see another Heil-Meredith match in the NCAA quarterfinals. David, you got to check that one out. Yeah, Heil has been a high-wire act this year and has won quite a few close matches, but uh, certainly looked like he turned it up a notch at the big 12 meet. Yeah. And, you know, talking to these guys versus interviewing these guys, it's a little different. I got a chance to interview him and, you know, I asked him about his composure. I think, you know, we have the, the interview posted. I walked away from that interview more confident that he's going to win nationals. He, he just, doesn't freak out. And he pointed something out. He goes, yeah, the score was close, but the guy scored all his points from bottom. And he's right. It was 10-7, and Meredith had five escapes and a reversal. Um, you know, if it was freestyle, it would have been a tech fall. So he's he's definitely put himself in some precarious positions and situations. But, 
And he said, he, although going back to the St. Ed's days, that he's just used to wrestling in big matches and the, the, the limelight, the big lights, the, the big show, you know, whatever you want to call it, the spotlight doesn't scare him. And, and I think he embraces it. I think he embraces being the leader of that team. And being on the floor, I was sort of in the tunnel where I could interview guys. And Oklahoma State was the only – they were all sitting there. And, like, when guys would get takedowns, they would pop up out of their chair. And there's a lot of guys that were really, really pulling for each other. And it feels like that team's coming together at the right time. Moving ahead to 149 pounds, Zane Rutherford rolled through the Big Ten Championships, scoring three pins and a tech in the finals against Ohio State's Micah Jordan to win the tournament OW award. Anthony Colica had a scrap in the Big 12 finals, but he scored a late takedown to seal a 7-4 victory against Oklahoma's Davion Jeffries. It was Colica's fourth Big 12 title. Missouri's LeVon Mays avenged a February loss to Max Thompson of Northern Iowa and won a 6-5 decision against Thompson in the MAC finals. Uh, mentioned Michael Jordan. He used a takedown late in the second period to beat Brandon Sorensen in the Big Ten semis. Solomon Chisco of Virginia Tech won the ACC title, and Patricio Lugo of Edinburgh won the EWL. So the top eight now at 149 is number one, Rutherford, followed by Kalika, Mays, Jordan, Sorensen, Chisco at six, Thompson at seven, and Lugo at eight. What do you yeah, see there, I'll, David, in terms of uh, some of the, the, the key matchups that we may see in St. Louis? I, I don't know how they're going to see two, three, and four. Um, I think Mays could get the two. I think Mike could – I mean, th- those guys all have arguments against each other. There's some weights where you're like, look, this is how it is, and there's other weights where it's really flexible. And, you know, we do rankings based on all the matches we see, but the all-star meet doesn't count. And Mays and Colica split, and Mays won the second one. Now, they obviously have other matches and losses, and, I mean, Colica lost to Rutherford and Mays lost to Thompson, but – we know that the seating committee does not count losses nearly as much as they count wins. And Le'Veon Mays has a good track record of getting seated above where a lot of people think he's going to be going all the way back to the Devin Carter year. So, and Micah Jordan, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's only lost to Sorensen and Rutherford, correct? Yep. So, and he avenged the Sorensen loss, so that loss doesn't really hurt him. So all three guys have an argument for two, and you clearly want to be in the two-three slot because you avoid Sorensen and you avoid Rutherford. So that's going to have a big impact on the team race as well because you got really four, maybe the top five guys, school top six schools in the country are all one through six at that weight in some order. So that's going to that weight's going to have a huge impact on the team race. So the other thing is, you know, Zane Rutherford kind of looked human for like a month, and now he looks back to being cyborg killer, you know, based on watching his Big Ten performance. So maybe he was just sick, and he's just a destroyer of human beings away 149 pounds because it kind of feels that way. Yeah, he was Rutherford version 2016 all over again, you know, and maybe <laughs> yeah. then some. Yeah. Um, you know, and and – you know, moving ahead to 157, his teammate Jason Knopf, 22-0 and 0 now with 20 bonus point wins. Both of his regular decisions have come against Iowa's Michael Kemmerer, who remains at number two. Knopf won 8-2 in the Big Ten Finals. I know the Iowa camp, though, they were uh, they felt like they got something going a little bit. That uh, I think they felt like uh, in the dual meet that they were just fending off attacks, whereas uh, – you know, though though Kemmerer didn't get to uh, uh, get any takedowns, he uh, at least got to some positions where they thought uh, maybe he could capitalize a little bit. Nonetheless, uh, Kemmerer remains at two. Still feels like there's a pretty good gap between uh, Nolf and everybody else. Uh, Missouri's Joey Lavalley hops up to number three. Tyler Berger dropped to number four after splitting two bouts at the Big Ten Championships with Michigan's Brian Murphy. Murphy won the quarterfinal. Berger bounces back and takes the bout for third. Uh, shifting ahead to the EIWA, Cornell's Dylan Palacio uh, won the title there. 
And then uh, Joe Smith, I know, David, you were super impressed by what you saw out of Joe Smith, 32 to 0. He outscored his opponents, three opponents at the big 12 championships. Are we seeing the, the uh, Joe Smith of old again? I think so. I mean, that's what he said in his interview. It's, it's kind of hard to argue that, um, I, you know, being injured, injured is always terrible, but I do think he's probably more fresh than guys that have wrestled 25, 30 matches. And, you know, there's a couple things at this weight that are really interesting. Joey Lavalle has probably had the quietest 25 and one season of anybody in the country. I don't remember in, I'm looking, we did 19 weeks of rankings. I don't remember mentioning that guy's name one time, you know, like out loud on the podcast. <laughs> and, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we know, maybe the week he beat Joe Smith. But other than that, that's it. 25 and 1. I'm not sure, but he might get the two seed. He's definitely no lower than three. And then where they rank Palacio or Palacio is really interesting because, you know, if you're Joe Smith, you want him ahead of you. You want to be in the sixth line and be away from Nolf. So, but Joe looked really impressive, and he looks really good on top. And he, he made a conscious decision. He wasn't cutting anybody loose, and, I mean, he was ripping arms off people. And the kid he wrestled in the finals is from St. Louis, who's a tough kid. He's not the best athlete in the world, but he's a really tough and hard-nosed kid. And he rode the crap out of him. It was kind of scary. Like, and you kind of thought, okay, well, he won't be able to hold Reem down. He'll have to get to his leg attacks. And he's like, no, nah, I'm just going to ride you to death and turn you once. So, again, that's another weight where matchups matter. And, I mean, I don't think anybody's thinking Joey LaValle can beat Kemmerer, but his record probably indicates he should be in that match and might make the finals. And if that happens, that helps Mizzou tremendously. Uh, and, again, you know, where Smith lands or where Palacio lands. I don't know what they're going to do with seeding with Palacio, but they, I think they have to seed him. You certainly wouldn't want to see him in your first round draw. If you're like, the, you know, a top 10 guy and he's the guy you get in the round of 32, that would be awful. So what do you think they'll do with Palacio? Yeah, I'm super interested to see. Um, certainly has the credentials from past years, but, uh, you know, we're told that those aren't, uh, you know, past your data isn't factored in. So it's a really small body of work, um, particularly at 157 pounds, but I'm, <laughs> I'm totally with you. I, I do not want to draw that guy, um, <laughs> you know, in, in the first round, second round, um, you know, cause you know, you know, we started him uh, at the beginning of the year. He was, uh, what was he? Was he, was he the, uh, Number two guy. Yeah. Yeah, it was two. He had to be two because he was the highest. Didn't he place third at nationals last year? I think fourth. Yep, fourth last year. Fourth. It was fourth. But, But, you know, the other guys that were between them were seniors. So, yeah, he was two. Or it was one was Martinez who moved up and the other one was a senior. So, yeah. Yep. And he's a guy that's uh, got some dangerous stuff, um, a little bit unconventional. Uh, So, uh, that's, uh, you know, outside of Soriano and where they place him, I think that that's, that's kind of uh, the same conversation or similar conversation, at least, um, you know, obviously different circumstances, but uh, uh, certainly a wild card with where he could go in the seedings. You know, yeah. running down 157, one through eight, uh, Nolf remains at number one, Kemmer two, Lavalley three, Tyler Berger four, uh, Palacio at five. Smith at six, Colin Heffernan, the Mac runner-up at seven, and Clayton Ream from North Dakota State at eight, the Big 12 runner-up. Moving ahead to 165, we got to look at the top four guys uh, tangling at the Big Ten championships. Isaiah Martinez remains the clear-cut number one. Looked super impressive uh, during his march to a third Big Ten title. Uh, he wins, widens the gap over Logan Massa of Michigan in the finals. Hit a big uh, uh, feet-to-back uh, position in the first period and cruised after that in the finals. Uh, Vincenzo Joseph of Penn State took down Isaac Jordan in the bout for third. 
Uh, Chad Walsh of Ryder wins EWL title. You know, we talked a week ago about Anthony Valencia from Arizona State as the Pac-12 champ. Daniel Lewis avenges the February loss. We talked about the Missouri turnaround against Northern Iowa. And uh, Mays lost to Thompson in that dual meet. Lewis got pinned by Bryce Steyert in that dual meet. Lewis turns around and beats Steyert 7-5 in the MAC finals at 165. So, at 165, 1 through 8, Martinez at 1, Massa at 2, Joseph at 3, Jordan at 4, Walsh at 5, Valencia at 6, Lewis at 7, Bryce Steyert at 8, David, just uh, you know, looking down this list, there's been a, a ton of turnover um, in the second half of the year in the basically the seven through twelve, thirteen, maybe even down even further than that in the rankings. Um, which guys do you think can pop in that might be outside the top eight that can pop in and, and potentially grab an All American spot? Well, I think there's a couple. I mean, I think if you drop all the way down to 16, Brandon Womack's really dangerous. I mean, I, you know, I don't think he's going to beat Isaiah Martinez, but I think he'd be dangerous on the back. Uh, Keelan Torres had a good Big 12. I, you know, the thing is, I look at – we. I keep a track of what everybody else ranks, guys, and, and do the average of that. And the first five are pretty set. Everybody's got those guys at one – you know – Everybody's got them within one spot of where we have them, but there's a ton of difference once you get like six through twelve. They're all ranked six through twelve, but like Campbell's ranked as high as six and as low as thirteen. And Chandler Rogers is probably another guy that's really hard to rank because he keeps pinning guys and getting pinned by guys. And you know he's he's lost head to head. He beat Campbell head to head, lost to Matthews head to head, split with Lewis. Lost to Cottrell in the Big 12 finals. He's a guy, obviously, that would be dangerous, right? If he's the 11 and he's got Valencia, that's a really good matchup. And then he struggled with Vincenzo. So, But even if he lost that match, he'd be in, in the round of 12 and is a guy that could medal from the 11 hole. Austin Matthews is another guy with a lot of you know high-scoring high moves. And Dylan Cottrell looked really impressive, really strong, just physically strong. So I think, you know, if these were the seeds, I think he would be, you know, probably a pick em against Steyer. And then once you get in the quarters, you just have to win one more match on the front of the back to medal. So any of those guys really nine through 12 could beat any of the other guys, I think five through eight. I mean, Walsh has kind of a do or die style. Valencia hasn't wrestled. He's wrestled a ton of matches, but he just hasn't drawn into a lot of studs the second half of the year. Lewis clearly can be really, really hot, really cold. If, he, if I had to pick one guy who would break up that top four, I think it would be Lewis, you know, because he's placed high, you know, his fourth last year, and his top game is really scary. You know, if he gets out to the lead on any of those guys, he's tough. And he wrestled Isaiah Martinez really good at the beginning of the year. So, you know, it looks like he's peaking now. You know, got over that, that 10 to start and came back and won the max. So feels like he's on the right track as well. Yeah, I'm with you uh, with your Daniel Lewis assessment. Uh, I also think one of those, uh, you know, one of the guys in this this weight that uh, probably isn't going to be a fun out for anybody is Chad Walsh, just because of uh, you know the the big move capabilities and and you know he's never out of the match completely. Just um, uh, you know we saw it at the Big Ten or the the Midlands Championships uh, in the finals against Imar. He put Imar in some dangerous positions that uh, Imar was able to horse his way out of. But, uh, um, again, a guy that's performed at the, the national level and, and done quite well, uh, you know, a year ago. Uh, certainly a guy that, uh, you, if you're a fan, you don't want to look away from his matches for a second because uh, you could see somebody flying across, uh, <laughs> across the arena. For sure, yeah. Moving ahead to 174 pounds. Uh, we're going to take a run through the top eight real quick. Zahid Valencia still number one, unbeaten, undisputed. Uh, he'll be the number one seed. Brian Real Buto of Cornell at number two. Bo Jordan, the Big Ten champ, at number three. Zach Epperly of Virginia Tech at four. Mark Hall from Penn State at five. Ryan Preach from Lehigh at six. 
Kyle Crutchmer of Oklahoma State at seven, Ethan Ramos of North Carolina at eight. David, I don't know if you get a chance to watch video of the Hall Jordan match. Terrific bout. Um, Hall comes out, scores takedown early, uh, scores another takedown in a goofy, goofy scramble position. Um, Jordan evens it up with a reversal in the second and the right out. Uh, Hall was in on a shot with about a minute to go in regulation, and Jordan came out of that. And then Jordan got in on a shot uh, in OT and covered Hall when he tried to dive through attempt. Um, terrific match there. Bo Jordan, um, uh, another guy that, uh, you know, I think goes into that tournament with only 12 matches, and, and uh, we haven't seen the best of Bo Jordan. At least we had not seen the best of Bo Jordan during the regular season, in my opinion. Um, and, and it certainly didn't look like the best version of Bo Jordan in the opening round of that tournament. He was down going to the third period um, uh, against Devin Scats of, of Indiana, comes back, wins a 10-8 decision. Um, you know, it looked like he got a little bit better as the tournament went along, though, and uh, he's certainly going to be a key guy for Ohio State. And, and you look up and down this, uh, this list, and you got Crutchmer there at seven. Um, Jordan at three, Hall at five, um, Epperly at four, Alex Meyer of Iowa at 11. So all the top teams are represented at this weight class with, with All-America caliber guys. Right. This is going to be a really fun one. Yeah, and, and Preach is a guy that, you know, if he didn't get cement job by Hall, would be, you know, one or two ranked higher and, you know, lost to Rio Budo on a neutral fall. So. He's a scary out. I watched the Bo Jordan Hall highlights, and the two things that struck me are, one, is how much bigger Bo Jordan is as a human being than Hall. And two, it looked like Bo Jordan does, like, the turf toe or whatever it is. I don't know that it's 100%, but it, it looks like it's a lot better than it was when he wrestled the duel against Alex Meyer. So, you know, that's interesting. The other thing to look at is if you look at the round of 12 guys, Miles Amin, Zach Brunson, Alex Meyer, Taylor Lujan, none of those guys are an easy out. And we have Casey Kent at 13, who took fourth at Nationals last year. Weatherspoon at 16, who took sixth at Nationals last year. So you have those two guys are all Americans from the year before, plus Alex Meyer, plus Ethan Ramos from two years ago, plus Crutchmer from two years ago plus Epperly from a year ago, Bo Jordan, two-time All-American, and Rio Buto was an All-American two years ago. Got a lot of medals at this weight, so those those quarterfinals and those backside matches are going to be really, really competitive there. There's going to be guys that have medaled that just aren't going to, and that's kind of crazy. Tell you what, looking down the rankings a little further, 24, Ty Schofstall of Edinburgh, the EWL champ, watching him mm-hmm. against Alex Meyer. In the dual meet, he gave Alex Meyer some problems. I think that's a guy that uh, um, you're looking a little further down the rankings that yeah. uh, could pop up and give people some problems. That might be one of the guys right there. Yeah, he, and Matt had, Reed he was up 6-2 to two in that match. Yeah, he was up 6-2 to two against Meyer. Matt Reed really did a good job this weekend, but I don't know if he's – he banged his knee up in the final against Crutchmer, so I hope he's okay. But he was limping getting on the award stand and, and wincing, so I, I hope – whatever it is, was just a quick turnaround for him. But he wrestled really well and needed to to get that spot for sure. And we've been talking all year long about 184 and what a fun weight this has been and, and just all the studs that are at that, that weight class. Um, the Big Ten was exceptional over the weekend. Just so much <laughs> great action at this weight class. Um, taking a run through at one through eight, and we'll go one through nine, ten, um, even on down because, uh, you know, there's some top flight guys a little bit further down in the rankings here. But uh, Gabe Dean of Cornell remains clear-cut number one. Uh, Sam Brooks of Iowa takes over as the number two after uh, winning the Big Ten championships. Uh, Bo Nickel of Penn State suffers his first loss of the season. Six to four in the Big Ten semifinals against Miles Martin of Ohio State. Martin moves up from number nine up to four after a Big Ten runner-up finish. Tim Dudley of Nebraska falls from five or falls from four to five after placing fourth at the Big Ten Championships. Zach Zavatsky, ACC champ, 
up to number or remains at six. Nolan Boyd, Big 12 champ at seven. Jack Deco, the MAC champ at eight. Nathan Jackson of Indiana placed fifth a year ago at 174 pounds. He's been up in the uh, top six, seven um, throughout the year. He falls to nine after placing fifth uh, or after the Big Ten championships. Mike Machiavelli. Machiavello of North Carolina State remains at 10, and then uh, Emery Parker of Illinois at 11, Drew Foster of Northern Iowa at 12. Uh, David, going into the weekend, I think uh, if you'd have told me that somebody was going to run through the bracket at 184 pounds and, and win uh, with a fall, and, and I think 13-6 in the semis and 12-2 in the finals at, at 184 with, with the collection of talent there, you probably would have guessed that that would have been a front runner for the Big Ten's OW award. Now, Sam Brooks didn't get it, but uh, certainly a impressive performance by Sam Brooks over the course of those two days in Bloomington. Mullet power, right? He's got it going again. Fluffed so, and feathered. Fluffed and feathered. Yes, the complete opposite cloth of, of you and myself. So, um <laughs> So, yeah, everyone else left nickel at two. I flip-flopped them, and I was telling somebody, you know, I think the argument, you could make an argument for nickel at two, nickel at three, or nickel at four. Maybe the strongest argument is two, and we'll see. Probably the most interesting guy to seed or rank here is Nolan Boyd because he lost to Gabe Dean twice. He lost to Brooks, lost to nickel. It's the only guy he lost to. But he hasn't beaten anybody in the top 14. He just hasn't wrestled them. And that's almost – and I'm saying top 14 because I'm thinking maybe he wrestled Chattanooga or Campbell at the scuffle or Gardner-Webb. But I don't know that. I'd have to go look, and then Army and Navy were there too. So, But if not, you have to go down to number 23, Dylan Gable, to find a guy that he's wrestled that he beat that was in the top – 25. So he's got a really weird year where he's beaten clearly all these guys that aren't nearly as good as him. He's lost all the guys above him, and it hasn't been close. And clearly Oklahoma State wrestled a great schedule. It just is a really weird statistical outlier that it happened at 184 this way because, you know, he just he hasn't caught any of sort of those 5 through 15 guys at all. It's kind of – it's really odd. Yeah, just looking at his profile here, he has a win over uh, Dylan Gable at Southern Scuffle. He also beat Drew Foster of Northern Iowa at the Southern Scuffle. So that's a quality Good. win for Thanks. him. Yeah. Um, okay. Has the win over Dakota Gear in the dual meets. Um, you know, so 12 but, and 13 uh, he's got a wins against. Yeah, okay. Good. It's just weird, though, right? Like he hasn't wrestled, you know, he hasn't wrestled Martin, hasn't wrestled Dudley, hasn't wrestled Zabaski. Decau, Jackson, Machiavello, or Parker. So, uh, I mean, he could be the four seed. He could be. I mean, I have Miles Martin at four because he beat Bo Nickel. And, I, I, you know, part of the ranking now isn't just ranking, but kind of where do you think they'll be seated as well. So, uh, and, you know, Dudley had a great year, won the Midlands, placed ahead of all those guys. It feels like Dudley and Martin are on the opposite trajectories right now so uh but you know they could end up wrestling in the quarters if they're on the four or five line with each other I, I i think everybody in the country is hoping that somehow nickel becomes the four you know everybody that isn't a fan but has guys wrestling in the tournament wants nickel to be the four so that him and dean are on the same side and all those other guys don't have to go through either one of them to make the finals so and i said it wrong last week i said there was 11 undefeated guys but there were 12 because I forgot about Medbury, but there's still 10, and there's one at each weight. So that's that's an interesting storyline going into the Nationals as well. Certainly going to be a uh, pretty interesting um, second-round match at this weight with eight and nine when you when you talk about Deco and Jackson. If if those are indeed the eight nine pairings, um, right? You know that's a a uh, Friday type of match that we're going to see on Thursday night. Um, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, 184, it's going to be it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, um, you know, and 
You know, it'll be interesting to see whether uh, we see at some point along the way a a Martin Nickel rematch. I don't think it's likely based on the way uh, the bracket's set up. We're not going to see it uh, probably until Saturday uh, at the earliest. But uh, certainly interesting how those matches have played out. And we talked about it back in the dual meet uh, after the dual meet that uh, it was eight two on the scoreboard in that dual meet, but it felt a lot closer than that because Bo Nichols points, uh, you know, six of his eight points came in the last seven, eight seconds of every period where he finished with a takedown and finished on top. And uh, so it, it didn't feel like an eight to two match that Miles Martin couldn't turn around. Right. Uh, and, and he certainly went out and did it, um, you know, at the big 12 or the big 10 championships, uh, um, scoring a couple uh, big takedowns there, and and basically, uh, you know, you look at last year's NCAA finals, and he hit that huge throw, and and that was, a, you know, the defining moment of that match where he picked up six points in that. He's beat him with takedowns, um, and and certainly a really impressive performance by Miles Martin. And then you flip that around, and and to see, you know, Martin catch fire, and and here we think. Uh, he's making another March run, and and then for Sam Brooks to come out and put it on in twelve to two was, I think, one of the real eye openers of the Big Ten yeah. final. But there's two things that I took away from that. One is, you know, I listened to Shane's interview with Miles. He did a great job. He talked about how, you know, Miles Martin talked about how he's gotten bigger and stronger as the years gone on, and he's starting to feel the difference where he's not getting horsed around. The other thing is. You know, I said this to some people privately. I thought Iowa should move Sammy Brooks up to 97. I thought he had a chance to make the finals there. And and he's going to be at worst the three seed at 184. So it's a good thing I'm not coaching Iowa. You know, I mean, (laughs) he's had a a great year and, you know, has improved. And, you know, I think, you know, unfortunately for him, we we remember, you know, the split but he's had a great season. I mean, he dominated Nolan Boyd. You know, he he lost a very close match to Nathan Jackson and then beat him two times after that. So he, he's clearly deserving of it worse the, the three seeded nationals, and it, it's very impressive, you know, for him to bounce back after that. You know, to bounce back immediately against Jackson and then to go win the Big Tens. You know, having you know taken that loss to Nickel and just learning from it and moving on. So it's you can tell he's a tough kid mentally for sure. Flipping ahead to 197, the top eight at 197. Number one, Jaden Cox of Missouri. Colin Moore of Ohio State hops up to number two after winning the Big Ten Championships. Brett Farr of Minnesota falls from two to three after a runner-up finish at the Big Tens. Jared Haught of Virginia Tech at number four. Matt McCutcheon of Penn State at five. Aaron Studebaker of Nebraska at six. Preston Weagle of Oklahoma State at seven, Jacob Smith of West Virginia at eight. David, we've been uh, talking a lot about Colin Moore banging that drum throughout the second half of the season. A guy that really impressed us, I think, beginning with uh, the match against Jaden Cox, taking Jaden Cox down twice in that bout uh, early in the season. I think uh, about four or five days after he had lost by major decision against Brett Farr out in Vegas. And to, right. to see him yep. make that kind of, make that kind of turnaround. And I, and I think a lot of people at the time just kind of passed it off. It's like, well, you know, what in the world's wrong with Jaden Cox, you know, getting taken down twice, you know, right. by this freshman from Ohio state. But uh, man, that, that to me was a real eye opener that, that Colin Moore is the real deal. And, and we've only seen him improve by leaps and bounds since. And uh, for him to go from getting majored at the beginning of the year uh, by Brett Farr to winning 15-11 uh-huh. in the Big Ten Finals, I think it speaks volumes both about uh, uh, his progress as a wrestler, but also that uh, environment that Ohio State has in place for those guys at those those upper weights. It's um, you know you, you sit there and you think uh, uh, about the you know we've talked about the top four guys at Virginia Tech from 74, 84, 97 heavyweight. Man, you you put them up against a dual meet uh, against Ohio State, and, and the four would really fly at those four weights. Those would be a lot of um, scraps. But I tell you what, I, I wouldn't take anybody's 74 through heavyweight over Ohio State's 
Um, certainly, sure. Colin Moore. We, you know, we've seen the tremendous progress that that he has made there, and that's been a difference maker for the Buckeyes. Um, yeah, you got to see um, you got to see Weigel at the Big Twelve Championships, and it sounded like he uh, he upped it another level or two from what we've seen over uh, out of him over the course of the last month or so. Definitely. And the real quick on the Colin Moore thing, I don't know. That we, I ranked him two, but you can make the argument that Barr is two because he's won two out of three against him. So I do think they'll be on the two-three line, and, you know, that will just be who they draw in the quarters. Weigel looked great, uh, but he decided to wrestle on his feet and attack, and he went through a phase of like a month where he just tried to win every match being on top and not scoring, and he caught up against him against McCutcheon and, and a couple other guys caught up against him against Rotor, and he, he wrestled really well against Rotor. What's really going to change the seating is Weigel, Jacob Smith took a shot. Weigel just kind of bumped his hips and ran over him and pinned him, and Smith got injured, and it was bad. And Weigel pinned him. They called the pin, and then they realized Jacob Smith was injured and changed it to an injury default. And that could change how the seating committee looks at that match and where he gets seated. So that that will be interesting to see what happens because, you know, if they, they counted as injury default, he's probably seated behind Jacob Smith, not ahead of him. So, um, but yeah, he, he is a gigantic human being. I was standing next to him. I was like, this guy could take my lunch money if he wanted to. He's just, he's a big dude. And he really went, Oklahoma State had a lot of good momentum. Those guys were not sitting on leads. They were going from, you know, they were attacking. Even like Hyle were talking about, he got after it in the finals, and, and Weigel did, you know, in the quarters and the semis against Rotor. And you could really – he's a scary guy if he goes to attack because he will ride the crud out of you. You know what I mean? If he wrestles hard on his feet and gets to 0-0, you're down a takedown because you're going to have to pick neutral or, or really – he's almost like Seth Gross at, at 97 that way. You don't want to pick down if you don't have to. Moving ahead to heavyweights, Kyle Snyder remains the lone unbeaten at heavyweight after downing previously unbeaten Connor Medbury of Wisconsin 8-5 to five in the finals of the Big Ten Championships. Ty Walls of Virginia Tech avenges a loss earlier in the year against Duke's Jacob Casper. He wins the ACC title. Nick Nevels of Penn State finishes third at the Big Ten Championships. So the top Eight is Snyder at one, Medbury at two, Walls at three, Nevels at four, Casper at five. Austin Schaefer comes back from an injury that kept him out uh, for about a month. He comes back, wins the Big 12 championships. He's at number six. Michael Crails of Minnesota is at number seven after taking fourth at the Big 10 championships. And Tanner Hall of Arizona State, Pac-12 champion, is eighth. Kyle Snyder, we mentioned 8-5 over Connor Medbury. I know Kyle wasn't feeling the best on Sunday, um, but a pretty controlling win there. Um, also, he had his bonus streak snapped in the semifinals in a 14-7 uh, win against Michael Krails. Uh, his first match of the year where Kyle didn't win by major pin or tech ball. Um, uh-huh. Also, some interesting things that happened at other conference tournaments. Uh, Denzel DeJernet, the SoCon champ. Billy Miller of Edinburgh beat Thomas Haynes of Lock Haven for the EIW, or the EWL title. Uh, Miller is number 11 in the rankings. Haynes at 12. Um, David, uh, when you look a- at this weight class, um, you obviously got to see the Big 12 guys, a, a huge um, uh, development for Oklahoma State to get Schaefer back and, and for him to win the, the conference title there. Yeah, and Oklahoma State, they remind me of the team that Minnesota had the year they won it without a champion, and I'm not saying they won't have a champion, but they got a lot of depth. I mean, if you look at where we have these guys, where we have them ranked, every one of their guys is in the top 12, and I think Every single one of them, but but twenty five is at is in the top eight. So you know, I mean, they have yeah, nine as well. and sixty five. Yeah, sixty five. Correct. And they were up there. Correct. They were seventh till this past weekend. So you have Chandler Rogers on the eleven line, 
and Piccinini on the nine line. And those are guys that, you know, if they wrestle to those rankings, will be in that, in that blood round match. So really what it comes down to when you're looking at, like when you're comparing Oklahoma state to Ohio state and Penn state, Penn state's got three or four guys that are going to score a ton of points. Ohio state's got three or four guys that are going to score a ton of points, but they both have a couple of ways where they're going to score zero. And Oklahoma State's probably not going to zero anywhere. And then I guess it depends on, do you want to count on 10 guys or do you want to count on seven guys? And your seven guys are probably more reliable. You know, like Nolf and, and Rutherford feel like they're about as reliable as you can get. Same thing with Snyder and, and, and Tomasello and, and guys like that. I think it's, you know, Oklahoma State's going to win this by, if they do, they need to get Brock in the finals. They have, need to have a high place from Joe, Joe Smith. They need uh, Colica to make the finals. And, and they need to get eight or nine guys on the podium. And if they do that, then these other schools that only have seven, maybe eight studs, none of those guys can fall, you know, or else it's going to be a problem. And, I mean, that's what you saw at the big tens with Penn State. You know, Gulliban didn't wrestle well. You know, they they're, they lacked depth at 33, and they're injured at 25. And it's hard to win a tournament with seven guys. So um, Schaefer looked really good. I didn't ask them what the injury was, but – Whatever it was, it ain't bothering him now. You know, he's he's a truck driver. You know, he's double double leg and pools, and he looked really strong doing it. And I mean, I recruited him a million years ago when he was kind of a skinny, under ninety pounder. They locked him in the weight room, and it, it it looks good on him. So I mean, he he's a guy that knows how to wrestle that just happens to be heavier instead of a lot of heavyweights where you know they just like to stand and push. He's not one of those guys. So. The, the team race is going to be fascinating, and I, I thought I said a couple weeks ago I thought it was over, and I, I think I might be wrong. Just Oklahoma State wrestled way better, Ohio State wrestled way better, and, and Penn State's obviously dealing with some injuries, and then they just, you know, the, they have some guys that you know if Mark Hall won it, it wouldn't shock you, but if Mark Hall took eight, it you know I mean he's a freshman, it's, it's a hard tournament, you know, so I mean. You know, they've got a couple of locks. Yeah, the deep weight with a lot of All-Americans there. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's. I think unless you root for one of these schools, you just hope it isn't over, like, going into Saturday morning. Like, you're like, all right, you know, there it's a three- or four-horse race, and, you know, these guys can, you know, we can make a run at it, and it, it's interesting. And, you know, I know you're a big – I don't want to say a fan, but I know you have a lot of respect for Corey Clark, you know, being up there all those years. Um, you know, Iowa's still got four guys they can punch into the finals. So, I mean, th- th- that might not be enough to win it, but that's only going to be enough to keep them relevant and interesting going into Saturday morning as well. And they got a bunch of other guys that can place. You know, so I think the team race might be a little closer than it looked a couple weeks ago after the dual meet, you know, with Penn State and Oklahoma State for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're recording this on uh, Tuesday afternoon. The uh, at-large selections just came out. Uh, I know that those were uh, something you had your eye on, David. Yeah. Did you see that, that uh, were the notable omissions and uh, what were your take on what you saw out of those? Well, you know, so from a, from a bias point of view, I'm really happy for Colby Smith. I know him. He's from St. Louis. You, you, they, a lot of them went the way you thought they would. You know, Fleetwood, Gonzer, Jimenez, Suriano, Townsville, 25. Stanford, I think, got five guys in on at-large. That's kind of crazy when half your team gets in. You know, all Shram are all guys we've had ranked in the top 20 all year, and they needed, you know, at-larges or wild cards to get in. 41. Everett, Profaci, Rolfing are all guys that were in our, our rankings at some point. You know, probably if you just came out, I won't, and people can all read these, but the names that didn't get in that were maybe a little surprising was Noah Bauman at 25. He's got some good wins, including a win over Piccinini. Cam Kelly and Gomez Romero at 30, Rivera, excuse me, at 33. Uh, Tyler Marinelli at, at 65. Mark, Micah Barnes from Nebraska at 74. 
and then Brooks Blacks in Illinois at, at 285. Those are kind of the names that jump off the page that are like, you know, without really comparing bodies of work, maybe it's the right decision, but it's certainly a little bit surprising that those guys, you know, didn't get in. Well, David, uh, lots of other stuff we could we could talk about. Um, you know, but I think it's also worth mentioning on the show. We know we don't spend a lot of time talking about NAIA wrestling, but what Grandview did at the NAIA championships was unbelievable. And if you add up the number two, three, and four teams. In their points, they still would have finished 34 and a half points behind Grandview. Grandview, 234 and a half points, 12 All-Americans. You ever seen anything like that at any any tournament, <laughs> a national tournament? No, I saw a high school state tournament like that one time. But yeah, it's yeah, and and Nick Mitchell's like the nicest guy in the world to talk to. But you know, he's a hammer when it counts. He really cares about those guys. I've had a couple of my guys go up there and wrestle. And, uh, you know, he treats them the right way. He's, he's built a dynasty there. Most humble guy in the world. Um, I'm going to get him on Matt Chat when, uh, when the season's over because I think that story has to be an interesting one for, uh, for people to hear about. And it, it, it's super impressive, man. I mean, just super impressive what he's done. So, there, you know, lots, lots of big shout-out to all those guys. Um, I was talking to Joe Cologne. I think, you know, his little brother won it. So, Shout out to all those guys and, and big ups to them for sure. Well, we got a lot coming to you over the course of the next week. There is a ton of video content on track wrestling from the Big Ten Championships. David's interviews from the Big 12 Championships. Got some stuff from the MAC. Um, we're going to have the Notebook Series coming up uh, later in the week. We, David and I are going to be talking uh, the brackets when those are coming out. Uh, those will come out Wednesday. We're going to have another show later in the week. Um, but, uh, David, I, b- before we sign off on this thing, uh, you've got the border brawl next week as kind of prelude yeah. to the NCAA championships in St. Louis. I want to give you a chance to give a little plug for your event there and, and let people that are listening know yeah, who's going to be it. in it and what's going to happen. Yeah, so the Border Brawl is Tuesday, March 14th, 7 o'clock, Union Station here in St. Louis, the host hotel. Those people have been great. Um, shout out to Christina Flowers, Corey Musial, uh, Chris Rosen with the Sports Commission, all those folks. And we've got some superstars wrestling this meet. On the border side, Jack Punky, Paxton Rosen, Jet Taylor, Dayton Fix, Jack Cartsetter, Jay Renneria, Rick Filippo, Austin O'Connor, Marcus Coleman, Max Lyon, Patrick Brucky. Missouri side, Anthony Pashada, Connor Brown, Cameron, and Colin Valdivias, Taylor Brown, Alex Hagan, Nico Chavez, Hunter Shelton, who I got to visit with this weekend. He was down there with South Dakota State. Britt Wilson, Dylan Comperta, Jake Boyd. We've got Josh Kindig against Joey Laser. Tommy Gant is wrestling Hazel Garcia. And Nation Garrett's wrestling Alan Waters. All the money goes to the Extreme Couture GI Foundation. It uh, benefits veterans with amputations. Um, we really want to sell this out. If we don't, we have to use, you know, money that we fundraise to pay for the expenses because we do have some expenses. The ticket sales, if we sell out, will cover everything. Um, you can go to cagetix, C-A-G-E-T-I-X dot com slash M-B-B from Missouri Border Brawl 2017 and go and get your tickets there or just go to cagetix.com and search Missouri Border Brawl. Uh, and, Andy, that's going to be the first time we actually get to shake hands in person. We'll be at that event, and we'll probably do our last podcast of the year there next week, I guess. Yeah, and uh, maybe we'll go over some, uh, you know, techno. You know, you can help me with some technological IT advice after uh, <laughs> you know your your experience last week with uh, the video camera. <laughs> to be fair, for people listening. <laughs> You guys didn't mail me a camera until 9 o'clock on Thursday night, and I don't even know what the SD stands for in an SD card. I didn't know. I couldn't get it out of the sleeve. My friend Steve Horton was with me laughing. It was torture, uh, but I did my best, and some of the interviews were were, were showable. So, I, I you know, I, I think I give myself like a C-plus, C solid C-plus. No, it was better than that. It was better than that. You definitely, uh, I give you at least a B, at least a B, probably B plus even. But uh, your given the circumstances, I'll take it. 
given the circumstances, grading on a curve, I mean, uh, you know, probably yeah. even an A. But uh, anyway, that was a fun experience. We uh, managed to, to somehow get uh, video transmitted from Tulsa to to Bloomington and, and Tulsa to Cedar yeah. Falls, where, where I uploaded it, and it was great stuff, and we greatly appreciated David. Um, and, and also appreciate all the work that you've done this year on the track wrestling rankings. They've been terrific. Um, thank you for that. Another plug for our sponsor. The track wrestling rankings are brought to you by fantasygrade.com and the Ultimate Fantasy Wrestling Challenge. Do you know more about wrestling than your friends and people from around the country? Prove it. Go to www.fantasygrade.com and enter the live event, online events, or both. David, thank you as always. You're welcome. And for people that are curious, uh, you are going to be my Matt Chat guest this probably Friday or Saturday, and we're just going to talk about the brackets and maybe even squeeze some predictions out of you. So um, for people listening, all the coaches are pretty crazy this time of the year. We're going to get some on after the Nationals, but we'll do a bracket show uh, this weekend. I think it'll be really fun. So check back to trackwrestling.com for that. You can check out David's rankings on the homepage. As I mentioned, ton of content on there from the conference tournament weekend. And uh, if you wanted to download and listen to us on the go for all the podcasts that we've done and David's Matt Chat, uh, you can go to the Matt Talk Podcast Network. Thank you again for tuning in. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.